Welcome to Survivor Cast International. I'm Cody. I'm Jacqueline. And again, this week, we are so fortunate to have the creator and host of Surviving Maine with us on this recap. So, Liza Stratton, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking episode three of Surviving Maine. I know you guys want me out is the episode title. Which I was a little surprised that it wasn't Forest Fire because that line to That's me- what I thought too. Yeah, I was like, that was giving us opportunity. <laughs> Forest Fire, great. Love that moment. Right? Um, although, okay, so watching the intros again, I have to say my favorite like headshot combo goes to Brandon. That little like peek around, like uh, awkward moment he has when he's in line that has officially become my favorite intro moment. Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, every week I have to say it, I, I love the intro music. So shout out to MJ Taylor. Just so well done. The uh, really slick production with the names flying around in the intro credits. Love that every week. Good stuff. And Liza, this maybe should have been a question that I asked last episode before we dove into um, really the beginning of things. But as a player and a creator and host, would you mind giving us a little behind the scenes of what the like interview and go through process is both as a player and um, as interviewing future players, how how you make those decisions and what that process is like? Yeah, for sure. Um, For surviving Maine, the two seasons have been very different. Um, Season one, it was mostly other people that I've played with before in other games um, because we we didn't really have the word out here and I didn't have any sort of following. Um, And and obviously it's like hard to convince people to just come out and spend, you know, four days in the woods, um, especially people who haven't heard of it before. So the first season was a lot of like previous players from other games, um, a couple of people that I knew personally that I was able to convince to play. Um, but this season for season two, we were really able to get a wider variety of people. Um, the word had gotten out around here. So we were able to get a lot of Mainers, as you've seen, we've had, a, we have a lot of people from all over the state. Um, and for surviving Maine, the application process is that, um, there's like a, I had like a Google forms page with a bunch of like survivor questions. Like if you were on HHH, which tribe would you be put in and why, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of questions like that. Uh, who would your book to be to kind of get to know the person? Um, and then I also asked them to send in a three-minute video, um, just like introducing themselves and trying to give me a taste of what we would get in confessionals. Um, and then from those, I we have we call them survivor like casting nights, and we just sit and watch all the videos. You know, like eat dinner, have beers, watch all the videos all at once, <laughs> um, and then we kind of like put them in a bunch of different categories and. Um, at that point, actually, with the people who we think we're going to take, we split them into tribes okay. um, to try to make sure we get a good mix and that each tribe has a good variety of people. Um, and then, of course, there's always people who drop out at that point, like after mm. I email them and say, you're in, like, this is what you need to do. Um, so then I look like I look for that type of person in the applications and try to find the next the next one. Um, so, yeah, and that's what we're doing right now for, for the future season two for season three. Um, we have some selected already that were chosen for, for May of 2020. Okay. Awesome. Um, so hopefully a lot of them will want to stay on. Um, but yeah, we but, just select out of this list. 
I now I don't know if you want to give this much detail, but I have to ask. I believe it was Forrest who has never really watched Survivor. Yeah, I think he did mention that. Or at least doesn't have a big yeah. background in it. So for a player like that, um, I'm assuming they either have to go back and do a bunch of research or their applications are maybe more spry than those of like our Michaels who are those, you know, diehard Survivor fans and have been trying to do and consume all the Survivor that they can. So how do you choose a player like, do you like to throw some some newbies in, mm. even in, you know, one where it's maybe not a lot of players have played before, but a lot of people know and enjoy Survivor. How do you choose yeah, to I have a player like reason. that? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think that's one of the reasons Forrest appealed to us is just because he was, I mean, obviously he's so kooky and wild and hilarious to watch, mm-hmm. um, but also that he kept saying that he'd never played. Um, and it's interesting too, like as you watch and as you watched him in person, him like figuring out the game um, and like realizing that he has to go in and vote somebody off and um, which is insane to think that he wouldn't have studied that up beforehand. Um, <laughs> right. but, but I, either he absolutely knows nothing about the game or he was a really good liar because right. it was very convincing that he did not know what was going on. <laughs> And speaking of Forrest, I I love to see him in this episode starting to maybe overcome some initial social, uh, you know, not super sure footedness. And he's up all night feeding the fire. And I think he's starting to really prove his worth to the tribe, both in the the initial scenes of this episode and definitely later in the challenge as well. Yeah. So with that, um, we dive into the episode um, spending... You need to help me with names. Okay. <laughs> Hanging out on um, the... Re- okay. Okay. I think we have... Yeah. Is it Skitter. Becky? Yep. Skitter. Oh, okay. Thank you. I don't know what name you're missing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really love that it's the back-to-back shots of Becky and Emily. Um, both, like, just Becky being like, oh, yeah, Emily's my ride or die. And I was like, yeah, I think Becky's, like, my number one right now. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um that pairing kind of finding their footing really quickly. And then just like, I don't even know if they've had that conversation about like, you're my number one, but they both have each other in the thoughts of number one. I think that right now is probably my favorite pairing in this entire series right now. (laughs) I think it's my favorite too. Yeah, I totally, totally ship them as an alliance. Oh yes, absolutely (laughs) ship them alliance wise. Same. And yeah, I think so often you could see, you know, one of their talking heads being, I'm, you know, I'm Becky's ride or die and then Emily just not being on the same page. So it is super nice to see them. Oh, yeah. Both consistent in that. Now, something that they're not super on the same pages is with um, they feel like Justin and Katie are like their three, four tucked in there. But this is an interesting thing hopping to when Justin's talking, um, just him and Toby's perspective of there being like too much lady power in this, which. I'm all for a Survivor series finally, like, going female strong. Um, (laughs) Just because it's just so male-dominated all the time. Um, I wonder where Katie necessarily falls. There's, like, that talk of, like, maybe Katie, Justin, and Toby are that trio. But I I feel like we didn't fully get Katie's perspective on that. Hmm. So how do you, Liza, feel like... Katie is navigating these two trios. 
Yeah, I think that um, Katie is like one of my family friends, so I know her pretty well. And I think that the whole um, this whole strategy part is something that she was not kind of anticipating going in um, to either game. Uh, um, but I think that the one thing that Katie has going for her is that she's just so personable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like anybody who's around her just like gravitates towards her and loves her. And she's just so like, like great at what she's doing. She's great at competition and playing. And um, I think in either of those trios, she would succeed. Um, I really, yeah, that's great. I really, um, I really love your perspective there because I feel like a lot of the times we see players who are really like loud and involved and Mm. being very like, help me with words. Um, like charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. And really pulling people in that. But I feel like Katie is more of like a under the radar type of relationship builder where it hasn't been super in your face. Um, like she's not, she's not a jazzy who's like really loud and talking to everyone in that. Like she's not a me. I'm right. But she's still forming (laughs) strong alliances despite that. Right. Right. She's not totally removed from those things. I really love, um, Forrest. I don't know if he described himself as this or if someone else described him as the perfect pit bull. Yeah, I think he was called forest fire by someone else. I don't and then, know where that came from. <laughs> and called himself perfect pit bull, I think, as being like a, a watchdog all night. Right. He was up at the fire. But yeah, great alliteration moment. <laughs> I I feel like Forrest gets the quotes in this series. He's got those one-liners that really hit home. For huh. sure. That's who he is as a person in real life, too. Just like constantly throwing off things like that that are just so absurd and ridiculous. <laughs> what a gem to find for the season, most definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I bet as, you know, as someone building this show, that finding people who can play more than the traditional survivor role is a fun, fun thing that you get to play with. Yeah, and it was definitely refreshing compared to our first season because our first season was all of those like diehard fans who were super strategic and ready to just like get into the game. So it was fun to have something else to to watch and to see. Totally. And for editing too, of course. Oh, I bet. <laughs> now hopping over to the Lombard tribe, there's also some trios at play here. There's Cameron who's fitting in with Nick and Jess. And also Cameron kind of fitting in with Brandon and Jazzy. I I feel like having those multiple trios could either be a really good thing or a really troublesome thing. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the trios are pitted against each other or if they're ones that... Okay, so they can either be like pitted against each other and you can kind of navigate to not be either one's target. Or you get caught in that position of like, oh, I thought you were one of our numbers and one of their numbers. How often do you see um, like people kind of playing the field come back to bite them versus it adding to their game? Um, I mean, I don't know if I, I have a way to speak to this as far as surviving Maine goes. Mm-hmm. Um but I know that, like, like it can go either way, right? Like, Sarah Lucina, that's how she ended up doing so well and, and winning, um, is that she just did that with every single person. Right. Um, but I definitely think it has, with the right person, it could definitely bite them in the butt. 
um, especially if they're being over strategic in those conversations mm-hmm. um, and if other people see them being over strategic. But I'm not sure that I have a way to relate that to this. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a lot to juggle, you know, for one thing. And yeah, just like it, it can, it takes the certain type of the person, like you said, I think to, to have that not just put a giant target on your back in the end. I think that as we circle around at the end, there, there are some interesting things coming into play at the vote that make me think um, that maybe having too many, um, what is it like? Irons in the fire. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> can, can, can really hinder your game sometimes. And then uh, there's now we have some uh, some mix ups going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that you thought was the same person for a moment? Oh, man. OK, so we for sure hit pause as soon as Jess came on the screen. And I had a wait a minute. Jess and Becky are completely different people. Different people and on different tribes, <laughs> even, it seems. Yes, because I think for a part of this, I maybe thought I was confusing some actions of jess's with some of becky's and so that was a good like okay yep yes recalibrating (laughs) moment um as the host do you ever struggle with keeping like on those early days of filming keeping names straight and is there a learning curve to get knowing everybody yourself or are you pretty well prepared before going in i think i at that point have watched their videos and their like looked at their names and pictures so much while planning sure. um, that I know, know everybody. I do think that it takes like it takes me a little bit to get to being used to speaking to them. You mm-hmm. know, like like I would my kids at work, right? Like um, like yelling their names out and and talking to them in challenges. I think that that <laughs> takes me a little bit to get into. Right. Um, and I think you can tell too when you watch that so you're like, okay, she's a little uncomfortable right now. Um, you never read really, like, that way, Liza. <laughs> Um, and then too, throughout the game, and I, like I said before, I do a lot of the confessionals and a lot of the filming and, um, off screen, I talk, talk to the players a lot. So I get to know them really well and it gets much easier really fast. Oh, I bet. I feel like as a watcher, particularly someone who's, you know, waiting a week in between episodes, I feel like I sometimes, and Surviving Maine does a really great job that I feel like not all Survivor fan series do of keeping the names with the people, yeah. um, especially in those talking head moments. It's it's so vital <laughs> for a watcher to know like, OK, but I, I don't know how that got around me, but I completely was putting the two of them together at some points. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have some idol kind of drama yeah, yes. and nervousness and i love that brandon is super paranoid that tony found an idol and tony's just like i don't think there's anything going on with idols. <laughs> brandon seems to have spied a, a lump in tony's pocket that he <laughs> is certain is an idol i hope tony is like collecting cool rocks for his daughter or just like <laughs> something to totally <laughs> like oh wait as a survivor player, I probably shouldn't be doing that, but I'm probably not thinking about that. And I, I hope it's something like that. But Brandon is all paranoid about it. And then there's this reveal moment that is just the best when Jazzy's just like, mm, yep, that was me. <laughs> and also only at this point, only having Cameron in on it, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Yep. I think later on in the episode, um, another player gets to know about that. But at the beginning, since 
Jazzy and Cameron kind of found the clue together. Um, Cameron talks about how Jazzy was really honest about the clue, like went off and read it, came back and told him and told him that he had it or that she had it. Um, and I think that that that's a really good way to build a relationship as well as like, I know you and I have talked about this before, Cody, how you have, and I think we talked about it even last week with Kirk and Liza about how, um, you really have to be aware of who you're telling about idle information and sure of how that's going to play out. If you're not just going to be okay with it being, you know, anybody's idol. So what's your, what are your takes on, um, Jazzy's idol hunting and, um, who she's informing of this idol? Yeah, I think that Cameron was definitely the right choice. Um, and in that she was able to build a relationship with Cameron that, um, wasn't like fully fleshed out yet. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I know they spent part of that, that night together with Brandon. Um, but I think really solidifying that relationship with Cameron was really smart. Um, especially because he was there when she found it um, and knew what it was and knew what was happening. Um, and I also really appreciate in this moment, and it reminds me how good of a player Cameron is in this game, um, that he really thinks hard about it and recognizes um, that it wasn't just like, like it wasn't meaningless for Jazzy to do this. It was Jazzy's way of reaching out and saying, you know, this is something that I want to share with you. Um, and to build this connection and this relationship. Um, and I feel like in the game, sometimes it's hard to think things like that. Because mm -hmm. um, you're just like going, going, going. But I feel like he like sat and reflected on it for a minute. No, I think that's a great point that him even recognizing the significance of that does really speak to it. I hadn't even thought of that myself, but that does really show him as a keen player, I think. And particularly in such a condensed, you know, four day four-day survivor experience it must be so easy to have your mind on so many other things and to be thinking a thousand other forms of strategy yeah just taking that moment and i think that is a great point now i do i did think that i spied something i know that we're talking about being in a condensed four-day season and how you're always playing the game but there there is some downtime i i think i noticed um on the lombard tribe they were playing a game of I Spy, I think I caught. Possibly. Maybe. I don't know. That could have happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, none of us know for sure, but it is, it's a possibility. <laughs> so um, as a yeah. player and a host, um, what have you done and what have you seen players do in that, um, in those moments of downtime to kind of build relationships or have a little fun that's not super focused on the game. Do you have any um, stories that you can share with us? Yeah, I do actually. And I have just like, I love to tell this story because I think it's so funny. And also in the moment, I didn't really realize what was happening. Um, but in the Durham Warrior Survival Challenge, uh, I played with Mama C. Um, sorry, my dogs are doing something. Oh, we don't um, mind. It's a... <laughs> we can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I was worried you could. No. <laughs> um, so I played with Mama C, and we spent um, like an entire day and night together. Um, and I didn't realize this at the time, but in order to stop people from talking strategy, 
she kept us playing games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because she wanted to control when strategy was happening. Okay. Um, Seems like a real Boston so Rob move. This I think because I wonder who brought that up. What'd you say? Oh, I just I just said it feels like a real Bob Boston Rob move. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we ended up playing this like. I went to a picnic game. Have you ever played this? We played that like where you go through the we alphabet. Yes. And okay. Then she oh, and changed like... it so that then. Go ahead. Oh, and I would say we we play that game with my thirteen uh, year old daughter. Anytime we're in the car, all the which she's not super <laughs> fond of, but yeah, we're well versed in it. She liked it much better when she was eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the way she worked it is that. Round, it would be it'd be like I'm a picnic and I'm bringing Liza and lemons and then it would be things that start with L and once you figured oh. it out like what the pattern was you got to start the new round. Oh, fun! Um, so all of the other like everybody was just so into this game <laughs> and we played it like every time in between challenges, every time in between tribal councils, we just sat in a giant circle and played this game. Um, and then even that night at camp, it's like it felt like like 5 a.m. We were still playing this game. <laughs> and I just remember like sitting there and like falling asleep and trying so hard to stay awake because everybody else was awake. Um, but and then I didn't even realize at the time. But after she said like, yeah, that I did that because none of you could go off and talk. Like it would be so obvious if at that point you got up and walked away. Right. Um, so I wonder. I'm curious about that I spy moment. If that was if that was that what that was i it was in the evening and i just heard it offhand as we entered into that scene but i didn't catch who said it but i think that i think that they had mentioned i spy so <laughs> yeah that's a great uh great strategy trick though to do a little yeah. bit of let's focus on something that seems fun but i'm really just controlling all of your conversations yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> now before we hop into the First, um, or the immunity, the immunity challenge. challenge. We're going to take a quick break um, and then we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Survivor Cast International. We have had another guest join us. Oh, and I'm, I'm sorry I forgot to ask before we came back from the break, but uh, uh, how do you say your last name, Amanda? Oh, it's it's Husen. Husen. Uh, we're joined with Amanda Husen from Survivor South Africa, Malaysia. If you haven't been listening to our recaps of Survivor South Africa, Malaysia, please go check them out because we gush all over Amanda and you will absolutely get to know her a little bit better. And if you haven't watched that season, go check it out as well. Yes, we're definitely in the Amanda camp versus the Rajesh or Diker Hine camps. <laughs> very assuredly. Um, we are for having me, guys. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Uh, so we were actually just about to hop into an immunity challenge. So as we get going with that, um, we just also wrapped up a conversation about immunity idols. And... Amanda, on your season um, of South Africa, there weren't hidden immunity idols yet. So have you played any other games that include hidden immunity idols? Do you have any opinions? Like, are you a fan of that? Is that something that you um, enjoy as a new addition to Survivor? Or where where do you feel on immunity idols? 
Yeah, so I mean, that's an interesting question because I think that the game has really evolved a lot since I played it. So there was one Immunity Idol um, on my season of Survivor South Africa, and subsequently there have been 10,000, I think, on, <laughs> on all the international shows um, and even on our local series. Um, so I think Immunity Idols um, are a little bit overplayed, in my opinion, in sort of the new way of playing the game. Because it does take away some of the strategy um, from the game. But I think ultimately it depends, I think, on how the immunity idol itself gets used. And, um, you know, I just kind of feel as though it's supposed to be there, you know, to kind of try and save your game. Um, and oftentimes that's not really what it does in, in sort of the new age of Survivor. So I'd like to see less of them, to be honest. They have a place in the format of the game. But I would like to see less of it. So then with that, Liza, have you ever considered doing a season without idols or as um, on the production side, does it just add so much to a series that you feel like that need is there? I think with a short format game, um, it adds an even quicker pace, mm -hmm. um, which seems impossible, right? But once that's thrown into the mix, um, I think that it really kind of sets things in motion and also I think that it's most definitely necessary for the fan experience um I, I think that that's you know that's on everybody's survivor bucket list um they want to see an idol they want to find one they want to play one um and I, I know that that's still on my bucket list I've never done that um never had an idol before so I know that it's important to the players um and it makes them you know rearrange their plans uh talk to new people, make big moves, which is always fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's interesting, if I can chip in there for a second. Please. It's interesting to hear the perspective, obviously, from a, from a viewer versus someone that's played it. So don't get me wrong. If there's idols out there, I want them. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want them. Um, but I, I understand what Liza is saying, because as much as I think that there are a lot of idols in the new format um, in the U.S., for example, mm -hmm. um, I relish it as a viewer. Yeah, it, it is a great dramatic moment, I think, anytime one is found. Yeah, for sure. So then going, we, we're hopping into an immunity challenge, and there's this first shot where they have to, it's like a multi multi-step challenge which um, on main a lot of the episodes have that multi-step challenge. Um, which I know is kind of a contrast to what we saw a lot in South Africa, um, being more of like, this is the activity and you'll do it maybe multiple times or it'll have multiple steps, but it won't be, um, it won't be like a tiered. Multi-phase. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there were a couple in, 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 in my season, there were, but there were not as many, I, I think, as, as, as um, the game has now. There were about two of them, I think, yeah. Well, and I think, um, what, 2008? 2007, I think, right? Was uh, when, 2007, when, a mm. lifetime ago. I'm old now. <laughs> yeah, 14 <laughs> years ago. It's crazy. I still keep thinking we're in 2020 because this year hasn't ended. Um, but, yeah, so I think, Amanda, you keep mentioning that, that the game has really evolved in what it is now versus what it used to be. And what I think is really fun about um, like particularly the main season um, and series is 
at the beginning of Survivor, it's a lot about the actual survival, right? How to get along in the wilderness with no resources and just relying on what you need to do. Um, and then I think it's fun kind of going to a small, smaller, like state based um, or local based series that's asking people to come out into the woods and not have a tent and, you know, not have your hot dogs on a stick or anything like that. And so I think that's a fun kind of circle back with um, just with all the the new layers that have come to join in in Survivor. But then going, yeah, no. go ahead, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say, no, I, I completely agree with you. So I had the opportunity to play um, a local series um, of, of Survivor called Battle of the Bush last year. And my take on it is that that was Survivor on steroids. Oh, wow. <laughs> because it is so quick and it is so fast. Um, and, you know, all these little moves are so coveted because you don't have the gift of time. And I remember being on the island playing the long form game where all you had really was time um, on your hands. A lot of time to think, you drive yourself crazy, you overthink everything. And in a short format game, you don't really have the time to do that. And so it becomes, like you're saying, less about just surviving and staying alive, um, but, but more just about you know being able to think on your feet really fast. It's the closest thing to playing you know, on an island in the long form um, that, that I've experienced, it, it, it's really kind of crazy. And the number of challenges that you have to go through in one day, um, I think that makes it really, really interesting, but also really tough. So I found that really much harder, to be honest. I bet it's just a different type of exhaustion that takes over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not so much physical exhaustion, um, which, which I definitely suffered from. I remember flying back from Malaysia to South Africa, and I slept the entire 18-hour flight. I woke up and we were landing, and I, I have never slept so well in my life because I was <laughs> drained, and I didn't eat anything. I didn't even have a glass of wine on the plane. <laughs> I was just really, really tired, um, and I think when I got back home, I slept with jet lag and all of that you know, for at least another two days. But you're right. It's a different kind of exhaustion. It's more of a mental exhaustion that's constant and it just continues to plague you you know through through the not even days through the hours oh absolutely and then liza getting that perspective both as a host and as a player i'm sure there's different like a different type of exhaustion that you feel there as well yeah i'm obviously i've never played real survivor so i can't speak to the, the that many days um but i have played like one day games and then four day games and even just the different is there is insane um going from you know one or two minutes in between tribals to 15 minutes like 15 minutes feels like a dream after you've only had two right um and i think that that, that i i strive like battle of the bush that amanda and i played in i strive to make that a lot like make surviving man a lot like that um just because they were very organized and very well set up um, but there was still a really good amount of time for talking and strategy. Um, so we were able to, we did have moments to relax and to sit back and just hang out and talk and get to know each other. Um, which was really great, especially as a fan, cause we were hanging out with all these survivors, um, and other survivor super fans. So 
That's really neat. Totally. So uh, <laughs> jumping into the immunity challenge on episode three, quick, um, they have to run and pick up logs from, um, and then bring those logs back and put them into the opposing team's sled. And they had three minutes to do this, but it seemed like both teams didn't even need the full three minutes to get all of their logs into the opposing team's um, bin. Right. Then the sled has to be dragged to a puzzle and the puzzle completed. And it's one of those like frame puzzles where, where... The, the pieces come down from the top and it's kind of uh, yeah more horizontal than or no, vertical. <laughs> it's it's definitely a vertical puzzle. Yes, yes. Which, you know, uh, whichever of those two terms means which. You know. Remember horizon like yep. the sunrise? That's yeah. the trick. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is a fun mix-up of both the physical the physical aspects of a challenge with the running and filling up heavy logs and then pulling it down this giant field versus um, needing players to do that, okay, see the big picture, changing things around, making sure everything fits in this puzzle piece. Um, so I'll throw it to Liza first. Uh, what is, you can speak to it as a player or as a host. Um, what's your what's your preference? Do you like the physical? Do you like the mental? Do you like the combo? Where, where do you, and what's your strength? <laughs> um. Okay, um, so I definitely would prefer not to do physical challenges. Um, I definitely am much better at the puzzles and um, anything other than physical, uh, especially when it's like running. That's that's where my that's that's my weakness. I can't do that. Um, I can do it for a very, very short amount of time, but um, yeah, definitely like puzzles, and I'm uh, also really good at balancing. Um, holding things you know that's a, that's a strength of mine in survivor um yeah not physical definitely everything other than physical love it um and then yeah yeah sorry amanda's already going no i was, I was <laughs> gonna say when, when when i was first thinking about <laughs> going on the show and applying to be on the show um it was that exact combination of physicality and intelligence and strategy um, that really attracted me to the game because as much as the title is survivor and the environment is very physical and the terrain is quite torturous there's such a huge component of the game that relies heavily on your brain power and um, i'm a little bit in, in liza's camp in the sense that the physical side of playing wasn't really my strength um, I, I think I was a lot better at the strategy stuff, at the building of relationships, the social game, I think was probably my biggest strength. And so I would prefer not to go through some of the challenges that we went through. I remember the first one that we did on day one um, was a quite a long swim. And I'm, I'm a decent swimmer. I was on the swimming team in high school, but swimming in a pool and swimming in the ocean are two very different things. And doing it in a bathing suit versus every single clothing item that you're wearing mm -hmm. and heavy sneakers, it's it's a huge challenge um, to do that. And so on day one, I was like, oh, I'm I'm not going to make it. It's that mental side that I think really helped pull me through because I wasn't a huge fan of, you know, the, the really heavy physical stuff. So then both being um, kind of more in the mental camp, 
who is a player that you've either played with or seen play that you really admire that um, that does that physical side really well? So for me, um, I I have so many uh, favorites. Um, you know, Wendell Holland is one of my favorite winners. He's also a friend of mine. And I think that he did both brilliantly. Um, and then most recently, um, the winner of our last season in South Africa, his name is Rob Bentele. He is a physical beast, but um, his strategic game was absolutely outstanding. So I think that if a survivor player can find a way to harness both and balance both out really well, I think that that makes for a really good, well-rounded player and probably takes the probability of being more successful up about 10 notches. And that's what I think makes the game so hard is, you know, the fact that you kind of have to find a way to balance both. And how about you, Liza? Um, my all-time favorite player is Sarah Lucina. That's why I mentioned her earlier, just because I, she's always my go-to um, because she's able to hold her own and, you know, kick ass um, and also able to do all that strategy that's needed. Um, yeah, and I think I've played with a lot of people in, in live reality games who are definitely like that. Um, and I think it all comes down to really, like, who is with them at that point um, and how long that pair lasts. Um, yeah, Liza, you you remind me a lot of her. Actually, it's interesting that you that you chose her because I think your your style is a lot like hers. Um, and I agree with you. She's also no way. Really. I'm serious, and I think that she's really one of the best. Um, you know, to have really played the game. And I think you mentioned something also that's so key is partnering with the right person mm. um, or, or or the right alliance, um, where maybe as a collective you can draw on each other's strengths and, you know, complement each other where there are some weaknesses. Yeah. In, a, in one game that I played, um, Survivor Rutland, it was the second game I'd ever played. Um, I was able to partner myself up um, in a final two alliance with a guy named Chad, um, and he was very much physical. Um, he, he was pretty, pretty great all around, um, except for when it came to balancing and things like that. So we really evened out and we were a good match um and being with him was actually the reason that i was able to make it to the end and win so i definitely am very key about those um those relationships and those alliance making sure that they equal out have any of those relationships or alliances kind of found their way into your regular lives do you keep in touch with any of the players you've played with um does that kind of stop when the game stops or is that something that kind of builds as you as you go on through life um i think for me it's there are people that i know and still talk to um obviously not everybody because we just don't click with everybody um but there is a lot of people that i talk to all the time i message about surviving Maine, um other hosts of games that i've played and um played with we message a lot about our games and ask questions and like, Hey, how did you guys build this challenge? Um, and I think too, that when pre COVID, when we have the opportunity to meet up, um, we go, my girlfriend, Emily and I go to a lot of, uh, survivor watch parties in Boston. Um, and that is an opportunity too, for us to all meet up and to see each other. Um, and like I message reached out to Amanda cause we had played. So I think that those connections definitely are something that lasts. 
Yeah, for me, it's 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 such a great um, question. It's probably one of the most asked questions I think that I get. Um, so bear in mind, in 2007, when I played this game, we didn't have Facebook, <laughs> we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Twitter, and so um, I think social media has played such a massive role mm. in in keeping some of those connections alive. And um, in my experience, what's been really cool is to see how it has gone international. So you know, the survivor community, you know, it stretches far and wide. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a huge, there's a huge connection to anybody that's been on an island together, whether you were on my season or not, there's just some bond that you automatically have. And Liza's right, it's, it's, it's not always, um, you know, strong with everyone, but there's still just something that, that keeps, you know, everybody together. The other day, I hadn't spoken to to Angela for a while, who was my final two alliance member, and her and I actually um, connected the, um, about a week ago for the first time in a while. And she's married now, or she's divorced now. She's got two kids, and so we're kind of catching up. And then, um, you know, Bryce is from season uh, twenty nine, Kagayan, and he played with Battle of Battle, Battle of the Bush with us, and we've become really close. It was actually his birthday yesterday. Um, and then Wendell and I FaceTimed a couple of times and Ramona from season one of Survivor US um, is someone that I've, I've just got such a huge admiration for. And so this, this, this community is such a strong one that it sort of, you know, goes beyond borders, which is what I find so amazing about it. It's Absolutely. So, so cool to hear. Yeah, that's so <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. We're at this challenge that we've been sitting at here for like 20 minutes. Yes, it ends up... Uh, <laughs> Skitter, they do eventually take the win. It is their first win of the season. Um, now, at the beginning of this, Forrest, there's this shot of Forrest going and grabbing this log that is, I mean, probably as large as his torso. Yeah. And just sprinting with it like there's nothing. And so Liza's saying that you're not a runner. I feel you in that camp so heavily. <laughs> but I, was there just like a moment of like, who is this person? As a viewer, yeah, there was that moment. moment with Forrest was like that. Yeah. Um, and that that spot was just so perfect for him. Um, yeah, they couldn't have picked a better place to put him in that challenge. Absolutely. And then as the... Um, sorry. As the... As they get to the puzzle portion, as they're doing the... Um, kind of rearranging of the visual piece, particularly on the Blue Tribe, you hear um, someone who's not one of the two players doing the puzzle, kind of directing it, and that's 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 something that you see sometimes that can be really helpful because they have this, you know, five steps back view of it, but it can also lead to a lot of tension. So, how do you feel like? kind of that backseat driver role tends to play out when we're in these mental challenges that are visual? Um, I think that... Okay, so there was a challenge that we played in South Africa. Um, I'm very much a leader because I work with kids and that's just... I take that role very naturally. Um... But I'm also an introvert, so it only comes out at certain times, like when I, when I really feel passionate about what I'm doing or when I really know, feel like I know what I'm doing. Um, and there was this ball maze challenge we did in South Africa, um, and it just, just wasn't working. And my, my 
the tribe just wasn't working well together. So I just jumped in and did it. And then after I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Now they're all going to target me and they're going to hate me. So I just like, like talked to them about it. And I was like, I'm like, I want to like be upfront and let you know that I'm didn't mean to like step on anybody's toes in this. I just really felt like I was able to help us. And we ended up do, I don't remember if it was one, but we did really well. Um, and I feel like it might've been Amanda who said, like, she was like, no, you had it. Don't worry. Like we were all like listening to what you were saying and, um, or it was Shona. I'm not sure. Um, but it made me feel better. But I think that that's something that I'm always cautious of when I'm playing is to not be that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I think too, if it's, it can go either way, right. It could be really terrible and you could just be like so fed up with this person who does it every challenge. Um, or they're good at what they're doing and they give you actually helpful advice. Yeah, I remember that challenge. It was it was one that I think um, we, we marginally lost, but we, we worked so well together. And I think that communication is so important when you have, you know, what we call the backseat drivers as, as part of the challenge. I mean, we had one in, um, in my season of, of Survivors of Africa, Malaysia, where not on my tribe, we actually won the challenge um, my tribe won the challenge, but the other tribe was in complete chaos because everybody was screaming at the person that was, um, they had to go out on a boat and go retrieve some balls and come back. <laughs> and then he just was not going the right way. And so we just could hear in the background, there was complete pandemonium um, and absolute chaos. But, you know, those, those moments just before a challenge, once you get the brief of it and, uh, you know, you have a chance to sort of, strategize are so so important because even just having things like we came up with just having keywords you know turn or swivel Mm -hmm. and when someone hears that sort of you know safe word or or trigger word um it really does help to sort of keep the train going in 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 the right direction and so i think if you if you can find a way to at least come up with some kind of a code language just to enhance your communication it helps. If you don't, then it can be absolute, complete chaos. So communication, I feel like, in those situations is just so key. And just listening to you guys even talk about this immunity challenge, I love how, um, you know, you're describing forests, and, and that's kind of what, what this game does to you. It brings out the best in you, and you do things that you didn't think you could do, and you're like, how do I just carry that along? Like, no, <laughs> um, but it's because, you know, you when you feel supported by your team and you've got really good communication, uh, it really does bring up the best in you. I really appreciate that perspective. Um, we lead into Skitter's first win, which um, both playing as a player, um, what is that feeling? That Can you give us just like a quick little taste of getting your first win on Survivor? What is that? What is that? <laughs> It's it's amazing. You know what's so so interesting about the whole winning thing, right? Is that you know having played the game where there was a million rand on the line, which is our local currency, um, and then playing Battle of the Bush, which was really being done um, by people who just have a genuine love for the game. And in our case, it was benefiting um, a, a charitable organization called the Naledi Christian Academy, which is a school that we were playing for and raising money for. We had more tears at the travel council when we were playing for no money um, than I think, or just as, as the equal an equal amount of tears at travel council um, than we than we did when when I was on the show. Although I was like more of the crier, <laughs> and you know, winning it felt just as good playing 
of the bush as it did, you know, when, when, when you're playing with, with the big purse um, at the end of the rainbow. And I, I don't know that you can ever really put it into words, but it just is this huge sense of accomplishment. And in my case, my tribe won the first challenge. And um, before I left, my mom and my sister said to me, whatever you do, just don't be the first person voted out. <laughs> so when I was celebrating, that's the only thing that went through my head was, thank God I'm not the first person voted out on national TV and embarrassed my family. Um, but yeah, you, it's just the sense of, of accomplishment and elation um, because, you know, I don't know why this game is so addictive, but it just is, and, and it just means so much. I think to me, like like Amanda just said, the winning is so addictive. Um, and from the first win to the last win, they feel all just as, as good, I think. Um, and I think every, every win just makes me want more, right? So every time I play the game, even I guess even the lose makes me want to play more. Um, but I just like love that sensation so much and love knowing that this is something that I could actually do as a fan, right? That I could hopefully get out there and actually be okay and not be voted out first, right? Um, I think that that plays a lot into it is that like hope of one day being on the show. So Skitter wins and in contrast, we have the Lombard tribe coming back after a loss, knowing that they have to go to tribal council. And really, paranoia starts to grip the tribe immediately, where they are alliances are forming and breaking, and nobody knows who is being voted for, really. Um, can uh, Liza, can you speak to um, watching that happen in that moment? And then Amanda, can you uh, afterwards at all speak to... Uh, being in that moment before tribal council and just the intense fear and paranoia that must be going through the whole tribe at that point? Yeah, I think, think that it's like, it's just so frightening. Um, and I, in most of my, my vote outs, I think in all of my vote outs have had the thought, okay, it's gonna be me. Like, I'm gonna go home this time. Um, and in that moment, for some reason, I go, directly into to idol hunting right like as soon as i know that i'm the one that goes out oh and i can't i can't do anything about it and i did this in battle of the bush too when amanda voted me out um i, I just went like there was nothing that i could do about it they told me that there was nothing there that i could do about it that i was going home that's it um so i just spent tribal i was getting up and walking around and looking at everything behind us and looking everywhere in the voting booth and under the table and everywhere that I could possibly. Um, but I think that, like, at the point where I run out of options and strategy, um, that's the only idea in my head. So I just become so, like, hungry for that and hungry for, for more and to keep playing. Um, and, yeah, tribal is, is so frightening and stressful. And I feel like I'm going to throw up the whole time and my, my heart's racing. And, um, yeah, it's so, it's so scary. Yeah, no, that was a, I felt horrible. That was a, that was a horrible vote for me. I really struggled with that. Like, she knows um, how much I'm I still, I still think you didn't have to, but. Okay. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. Um, no, that was, that was horrible. Um, and it was just off, off of that last one. I think we nearly won that cousin. So it, I, I, I did, I wanted you to come with us to the merge. I really did. But, um, but you're right. That's, that's kind of the feeling that you have is, um, 
is is one of you know you can never go to tribal council and feel safe so that's one of the biggest lessons because you know you know that's kind of where you go wrong and i remember on on my season at one tribal council um, our host, Mark Bailey, asked me, are you expecting some votes tonight? And I always said, it's not the votes that I'm expecting that I'm scared of. It's the ones I'm not expecting that I'm scared of. And I think that's really um, sort of a mantra, right? So so even on Battle of the Bush, when, when I got voted out, I thought I was in a proper, solid alliance. And in the meantime, there was a huge plot to to kind of get rid of me. Um, there's a bit of a backstory there because I... I Due to work commitments, I arrived a day late, so um, I missed the first day of the game. And you know, a day out of a four-day game is like missing thirty days, if you know what I mean. Mm. And of course, I was concerned because I was like, they could, they would be idiots not to, not to vote. I'm such an easy vote because the excuse is such an understandable one. Oh, she came late. Why would we keep her till the merge? Um, and I think I just managed to forge good relationships really, really, really quickly, which is, which again, I think is my strength. And that's, that's kind of what, what kept me going. Um, so, so when I played Battle of the Bush, I was always expecting to get voted out because I'd come late and I was just as surprised as everybody else that I made it to the merge. So when I did get blindsided, I kind of just took it on the chin. It was probably a little bit of an, of a, a vote that should have come a little bit earlier. Um, but on, on, on my side, <laughs> But on my season of Survivor SA um, Malaysia, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in a very solid um, alliance of four. And, and that really, really, I think, helped me. So I had a certain level of comfort to a certain extent. But once we got to the merge, when it's every man for himself, I mean, mm -hmm. you really have to go to work every second that you have to talk to someone. You have to capitalize on it. And that does calm your paranoia down a little bit. If no one's talking to you, then, then I think that's another big red flag. Um, and so, you know, just keeping constant, you know, communication with everybody on the, on the island at all times kind of gives you comfort. But yeah, it's a scary thing. And, you know, those tribal councils are long. They, they You see it for whatever, 10, 15 minutes on TV, but they are hours long. I mean, they film for like three, four hours every tribal. And so there's a lot of time before a vote is actually written down for you to start contemplating your fate and it is it's extremely scary it, it's definitely a lot scarier when it's when it's when it's televised as well because like like i said i don't want to embarrass <laughs> <my family. laughs> so uh yeah and then um yeah really it's just before tribal it is just the blue tribe succumbing to panic and um when we do get to tribal it turns up to be between Nick and Patrick or Tricky, who's kind of on the chopping block. Now, I will say, Liza, I'm a little disappointed you didn't let them all vote for Karen. Right. Karen <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> so, Amanda, just as you were mentioning that you came a little late, there was a, a player that dropped out of the main season right before, like the day before they started filming. And so since this was this tribe's first time going to tribal, they, they were out. like, can't we, <laughs> can't we vote her out? <laughs> Yeah, no, there's, we, we had a situation, um, not quite like that, but we had a situation on, on, on Battle of the Bush where Ramona um, had just won immunity, um, but she killed herself literally like she was on the floor and, you know, she had to get some medical attention and they, they had to pull her from the game. So the question was, mm -hmm. 
do we need to vote someone out? Because, you know, she's leaving in any event. First of all, can she give her immunity idol up to somebody else? Um, and second of all, do we actually have to have a vote? So there's a lot of controversy around some of those rules because I don't know that they're that clear in the in in, in the, you know in in the real game. Mm-hmm. And so the decision was made that Liza helped me. I think she couldn't give up the immunity idol, and they had to vote someone out anyway. And so there was a bit of controversy around that too. It's always a difficult thing because, like everybody wants to stay, right? So people want to find any reason they can to make sure that it's just not me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, and I know, Liza, you were talking about it in perspective of idol hunt, um, but there's that, you know, there's that, like, isn't there some other way that I can get around being the person who's voted out? Um, And so seeing a, like, if there's a loophole, I'll take it. I can see see maybe the, I know it's not going to happen, but I got to ask anyway kind of thing. Well, and uh, exactly. I, I think one of the big things leading up to this tribal was, is Jazzy going to play her immunity idol or not? Or is she going to have the confidence to hold on to it and be able to save it for another vote? And because uh, it's always such a bummer to have an idol and not play it and then be voted off um, and to be in that situation. And, you know, it circles back to that need for relationships because she she you see a moment of her turning to Cameron and him like shaking his head no like you don't need to use it and I mean Jazzy didn't get any votes um so are there those moments where you really feel like it's you and then nothing comes your way Um, I don't know that I've had that experience um I think that for the most part I've pretty much known um, when it's going to be me and when I'm going to get votes. Um, but I definitely like seen a lot of blind sides and those surprise happen. Um, and even if it's not coming at you directly, it's still just as shocking. Um, and just as scary, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that because like I said, you know, even, even if you feel like you're solid, you know, you never go and you have an idol, you never go in. Um, you know, being overly confident. I think we've seen it happen too many times where people were overly confident. And I think overconfidence is one of the biggest downfalls when people are playing the game. Um, and I think we've seen, you know, a lot of blind sides come from someone just being too cocky. Um, and maybe that's kind of, I think, a little bit what happened with me on Battle of the Bush because I felt as though I'd done so well to get to the merge. And I really did not see that one coming at all. And, you know, I was so relaxed at tribal until they start reading out those votes. Um, And then, you know, there's a moment that sort of clicks in your brain and you go, oh, shit, they got me. (laughs) Um, It's it's really scary. So whether you're expecting it or not expecting it, it's still very, very scary. Um, But overconfidence is definitely a strategy killer. And Amanda, it's really interesting you say that because Nick gets voted out. Yes. This this episode. And Liza, I don't know if there were things that we missed as far as like maybe it was edited out, but it felt like Nick was pretty comfortable going into this. I mean, his wasn't one of the four or five names that was being thrown around. Was, was he really comfortable? Was this a blind side for him? Yeah, I think so. And and hearing what he has to say after um, after the game and we have a Facebook group that we all chat in. 
Um, I think it definitely was in the moment a blindside. And then once it happened, like Amanda just said, it clicked and he was like, oh, of course. Like I went in way too strong and mm. played, played way, com- way too confident. Um, and I think you can, you can, like you said, you can see it on him, right? You can see that he's like loving getting to talk to everybody and really playing that angle. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of his was, was confident. Yeah. And, uh, and that yeah, like think- 20 minutes was a complete disaster. I think the other thing I've also realized about playing with super fans, which I find quite interesting, is that there's a lot of people that have played in the African season and even in the in the US one, um, they've never watched the show. They've never really mm-hmm. understood what it was, or at least they haven't really been scholars of the show. Mm-hmm. And the thing about playing against super fans is that they know everything about <laughs> Survivor. They know statistics. They know. I mean, they can rattle off stuff that I couldn't wrap my mind around. And I consider myself to be quite a survivor academic. Um, but these super fans are so involved in the sort of behind the scenes side of the survivor story. Um, and I think that's also why players who apply now and get on the show know so much more about the game. And that is, I think, contributed to the evolution. Um, and so I think that's what also makes those tribals so scary is when you think you know everything there is to know about the game, but you actually don't. Yeah. And I think that, um, at least for me, my fantasy, we, we do a little fantasy league as well for the season. And so Nick, again, I have been sucking at my fantasy league, but ultimately I was pretty excited about that because <laughs> for... <laughs> For this tribe, I think Rebecca, Tony, and Brandon are my three that I really enjoy on this tribe that I want to see do really well. Yeah, I could see that. Brandon is definitely, he's high up there for me. So that... <laughs> I was going to ask you guys a question. Yeah, oh, please. Have, have, you, have you guys seen like a lot of, um, you know, infighting happening with you know, with, with, with the main season, because as a viewer, again, not so much as the person that's in the fight, um, but as a viewer, don't we also just love to see when, when, you know, people don't get along and when they you know, are screaming at each other and then I'm screaming at the TV going, but have you not seen the show? That's what happens. And so it's always interesting for me to see all of, all of the people going at each other's throats for basically just, you know, being better at the game than you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, and then, you you know, you definitely have your people that you side with within those fights. You know, you become I'm team A or team B, and that's that's just another fun element of the game, I think, as well. See, cause for this season, I was so against Nick because Nick was this. I felt like he was really trying to pit people against each other, and I am – so much more a fan of the people who are like genuinely trying to like work well with people around them and be respectful of people. And Amanda, I have so many questions about dynamics of, you know, gender roles for your season, but I know that we don't, we won't like dig into that. Um, But I'm always a fan of the people who are like trying to be, I like the opposite. I like people who are trying trying to be kind and trying to like really build the tribe up. And then the people who are kind of picking away, I get so excited when they get yelled at or <laughs> voted off. Right. 
Right. I mean, I think Jeff has asked this question a couple of times. You know, can you play a clean game of Survivor mm. where you never lie, where you're just authentic the whole time, where you don't have to pull, you know, some kind of trickery or, um, you know, some kind of deception out of your pocket in order to advance yourself in the game. And I think it's a very tricky thing to do. I think a lot of it has to do with cost dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of it does hinge on the personalities that you're with. I think I played a fairly clean game. If I had to do it all over again, though, I think I'm going villain. I'm going all yeah. villain. <laughs> and I'm throwing it all out the window. And I think I would just go completely bonkers. <laughs> I would love to see that version of you because I feel like I've already <laughs> become such a fan of your like amazing and respectful game where you're like, you put people in their place when they're being assholes. Like that's definitely happening, but you're only attacking the people who deserve it. I would love to see you take on a villain role. And I, cause I'm usually not a villain fan. I usually go hard against villains, but I wonder since I have such a villain you can get behind. Right. Final, yeah. <laughs> That's your motto. It's a good one. <laughs> right. Um, and I think... Yeah, I... I'd be interested to see that, too. Um, I think especially... Because, like, in Battle of the Bush, you turn out to be a villain to me. Um, I don't mean that offensively at all. I love you. Um, but I think... <laughs> but I... And, like, looking back, I think that's totally not true. And I... Like, you were just doing what you needed to do. Um, but I think it would be interesting to see you in that dynamic of the opposite of what you were to me, which was like kind and welcoming and like ready to to jump in and make a relationship. So that would be a interesting thing to watch. Yeah, I mean I have to tell you that I really struggled to vote people out. I mean genuinely I don't enjoy it. It's not something that I, I take pleasure in and I think that there are some people who play the game where that's what they really love. You know, with the evil laugh in the background and, and you know there's people that really take joy out of it. And I really do have, you know, an emotional part of my game style that I find very difficult to separate myself from. Um, and so so I, I think it would be a challenge for, for me as well. Maybe there's a hybrid, you know, we can call it like a, a hero lane or something. <laughs> where, where you can find a way to maybe do both. And, and, and like you said, just kind of only you know, play a certain role when it's really absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with Liza, she was just a victim, honestly, of me having formed an alliance before I could talk to her. And, you know, if, if I could play with her again, or if I could do it all over again, I probably would have made some different decisions, I think. Totally. I'll keep that in mind in case we have to play again. <laughs> Liza, you've got it on recording that Amanda is going to work <laughs> with you in a future season, so... <laughs> well that brings us about to the end of the episode um but we loved having both of you on and i think i just have one more question to kind of bring us out um amanda we just watched the episode of your season with the the food challenge so we watched you totally scarf down a live freshwater prawn to get the win for the abon tribe pretty amazing moment um is do you was that the the grossest thing you've ever had to eat in survivor um do you still eat prawns to this day and then throwing it to you afterward liza same do you what's the grossest thing you've ever had to eat in a survivor food challenge yeah so on that challenge the interesting thing is that um we had a tribe swap 
right? And so I came from a from a tribe um, where the camp was quite plush, I think, in comparison to the other tribes. So we had a little smoker where we were smoking, you know, these small little fish that we could that we were trying to catch. We built a fish, um, a fishing sort of catching net thingy. Um, our our uh, tribe made hind, he made fire without flint. So we had fire first because he literally made it from a block of wood, a piece of string and a leaf um, and a stick. And so we had fire before we, could, we before we even needed to win flint. So when we had the tribe swap that, uh, you know, the other camp had literally nothing and the terrain was much worse. So we hadn't eaten for, I don't know how long, I think it was five days or something crazy. Um, and so when we said it was a food challenge, part of us, Part of me was a little bit excited, but I think I got lucky actually because I think the 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 one before mine was I think a fish eye. Yeah, like three. I think three different fish eyes. Fish eyes, and so I was actually quite grateful that I didn't have to go when when the fish eyes were on the table. So when I saw what I had to eat, and I saw that I was competing against Lorette, who's an amazing competitor. I just kept telling myself that it was like sushi. It's like you're eating sushi. It's like you're eating sushi. And that's the reason why I was able to get it down. And um, I still eat a lot of shellfish. Um, I, I love lobster and prawn and crayfish and all that good stuff. I know in Maine, you guys have some 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 good lobsters um, <laughs> up there. And so, no, I wasn't deterred at all. But I was more afraid when I saw the bowl moving because they were alive. <laughs> I, I, I was just grab them and get it over and done with. So that's how I got the win. Love it. Um, I think for me, I've done a couple different food eating challenges. Um, and I have two that tie for the worst. Um, the first one is, it's called natto, NATO. It's fermented soybeans. And it's like, like there's like beans and like this sticky hummusy looking stuff. And it's like, it's so sticky and the absolute worst thing that you could ever eat. Um, <laughs> and I, that was in the Durham Warrior of Survival Challenge. And I think I only got through that one because um, my mom was there watching me. She was there like as a spectator. And I just like made eye contact with her. And she's trying not to laugh at me as I'm trying to swallow this and get it down. Um, and I could just like see her mouth moving. And she's like, you can do it. Just do it. Just do it. Like that's all you have to do is just swallow it. Um, and then the other thing, which I couldn't, I didn't end up doing, um, was the loop in, um, Survivor Brooklyn South. Um, yeah. And that was, oh, it was so gross. No, I, I, someone, I can't even, there was a quote from the episode and I think it was Angela maybe, or, um, uh, I'm not so good with food or it might've been Amanda even. Um, I think it was you, Amanda. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I'm not so good with, with gross food. <laughs> and then you just like killed it. I I could not. I am a textural eater. And so trying to get something down that's like slimy or I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. We were cheering, knowing we were about to talk to you. It was a fun moment. Yeah, no, I think I'll take the fresh water prawns over what the Liza just described any day. <laughs> and I'm sure with like, um, because on the the tribe that you had been on, there was that um, you're you were on the right side of the island with the tides. It felt like so you'd get low tide where you'd be able to gather, and so I'm sure there was 
that wasn't too far off of what you've been eating, maybe? That it kind of felt in the same ballpark a little bit more than some slimy beans? Yeah, and- <laughs> that, that's true. You know, the, the, the thing about survival also is that um, my experience was your taste buds change over, mm. over time. So in the real world, we're so used to eating, you know, food that's got so much spice and everything is laid, you know, laced with salt and, you know, all kinds of seasonings. And so your, your taste buds also kind of change. So rice, you know, tastes salty, even though there's no salt in it. Um, and, you know, water just tastes like the best water you've ever had in your life before. And so I think that when, when, I, when I had to eat the, the freshwater prawns, there really wasn't like a fishy kind of taste which i think you would normally smell mm. um because your taste buds you know go on this sort of evolving journey it's like really quite strange actually um and so you you, you find flavor in things that you normally wouldn't and so it, that's i think also part of why it actually wasn't really that bad um and you know it, I, I think definitely the fish eyes would have been 10 times worse <laughs> um, because <laughs> your taste buds are so enhanced but this just tasted you know a little bit like like I said, a piece of sushi with, with water on it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We thank you both so much for not only recapping this episode of Surviving Maine, um, and but diving a little bit into South Africa and your experiences on all the different survivor reiterations you've been able to do. So thank you both for giving us your time. And this was amazing. Is there anything that you'd like to shout out or plug before we head on off? No, I just, I just, I just, in case you guys um, haven't heard, the new season of Survivor South Africa is coming out later on this year. So we're all excited about that. They had to film it locally because of COVID. And so it's going to actually take place in South Africa for the first time ever. So we're all gearing up for that. Um, and I, cool. I'll, I'll be doing like a YouTube vlog on it, um, which I do every season. Um, so we're really just excited about that. And, I, and I'm going to keep up with the rest of Survivor Man. I'm dying to see how it turns out. So thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much, Amanda. And we'll look forward to catching your your um, video logs uh, as well as this new season of South Africa comes out. Awesome. Anything you want to shout out, Liza, or just beyond Maine or Maine itself? Um, yeah, I think just my, my usual um, for all the edits. So you can find Surviving Maine on Twitter um, or on Facebook. Um, and I'm also going to be posting some Survivor merch on Facebook soon, uh, or Surviving Maine merch, so you can get a t-shirt um, or some stickers. Uh, yeah, that's it. Well, I know, I know what you're getting for your birthday now, Cody. You've got a couple customers <laughs> right here. <laughs> well, thank you again so much, both of you, for coming on, and have a great rest of your night. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys.